The scripture for today is in Proverbs 13, the verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. This is the word of the Lord, and the congregation responds with, thanks be to God. Well, good evening from me also. We're going through the book of Proverbs now with these scripture readings sort of even and out um, to our Genesis series where we read all of those names in Genesis 10. So this is sort of like the balancing out. Just one little verse. So yeah, thanks, um, thanks for the reading, Jonas. Proverbs 13.20. Good evening to you guys and it's great to see you here on this uh, Sunday evening. And uh, it should be obvious from the reading we're going to be continuing this evening here at Church at Five in our series entitled A Word to the Wise, looking at Proverbs, and we'll be in the series tonight, maybe next Sunday, not sure, uh, and then after that, of course, so in two weeks' time, we have our baptism, and Church at Five will be happening in the park. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and so I'm here this Sunday, uh, and that next Sunday, Brandon will be back. So uh, if you've joined here in the last six weeks and you don't know who Brandon is, Brandon's actually the service pastor for Church at Five for this English language international service here on a Sunday evening. He's been traveling with his family in, their, in his home state of Texas, but they'll be coming back this week. We're looking forward to seeing them again. So yeah, and if you've been here the last six weeks, well, one more to go and you've survived me here. So again, what we're doing in this Proverbs series is very simple. Oh, we're trying, at least that's what we're trying to do. That's the, game, the aim of the game. Dive in, mine Proverbs for some practical wisdom on some life matters. The key idea being Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Wisdom being, one way we could describe wisdom would be applied knowledge. How do we take the knowledge that we have about the way the world works, about the reality of this world, and apply it in given life situations, whether that's a single uh, encounter, um, maybe with another person on the street, uh, in a... In a in a trade or a commercial venture or a choice of what to study or where to travel, or it could be applied wisdom over a longer period of time. How do we, what, what habits do we cultivate in our life? How do we put our day or our week together? So again, that's the idea here, that we're going to the book of wisdom, Proverbs being a book of wisdom, to get practical wisdom on life matters and then apply that wisdom of God to our lives. This is number eight in the series. We actually started this series a couple of years ago, took a long break, and we're coming back into the series at the moment. Uh, last week, even though that's not what the message was called, we sort of looked at appearances, how appearances can be deceiving. And this week, we're going to be looking at influences, influences in our lives. And the message this evening is simply entitled, I didn't come up with a better topic, a better name, I should say, better title. The in message this evening is simply entitled, Walk with the Wise. So there's a bit of alliteration there. So for all the fans of those kind of little things. Anyway, let's re-familiarize ourselves with our proverb for this evening and then dive on in. So here it is again in all its glorious shortness. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Again, and as we kick off, just that reminder, I don't want to dwell on it too much this evening. I uh, did it a little bit more in-depth last Sunday as we jump back into this series. We looked at this in the original message as part of this series, which you can find on the podcast 
And on the website, that message was entitled, The Choice, the Proverbs are a book that presents us two ways, two cho- one choice, two ways, um, the way of wisdom, which leads to life, the way of folly, which leads to death. So again, we see that underlying understanding in the book of Proverbs here, in our proverb, here are the two ways, either walk with the wise and become wise, that's, that's one option, or be a companion of fools and suffer harm. So that's the thoughts and ideas behind the terminology, and you'll you'll remember what I said as well last week. This isn't just about sort of street smart shrewdness or or foolish idiocy. There's a moral component here. The the, the wise one or the wise person in Proverbs is is that person who who recognizes ultimately uh, God as the, the ultimate arbiter of what is right and just and good and who looks to shape their lives according to God's standard and the way God has made the world, whereas the fool is one who scoffs at God and attempts to go their own way. Okay, so that's the thoughts and ideas behind the terminology of the wise and the fool. Let's uh, jump in, shall we? Now, there's a question There's a question that I've learned to ask these last years. I can't remember when I first heard this question um, put to me. It wasn't, as you'll see in a moment, it's not a question that was sort of put to me as if, what's your answer, Sam? But it was a question that I heard some years ago, it could be five years ago, it could be three years ago, um, that I've now, that I never used to ask. I never used to think this way, but that since I heard this question, it's been of great help to me in helping me deepen my understanding, not only of the Christian life, um, but of life and society, history in general. And as I was thinking about this proverb, 13 verse 20, this question came to my mind, and I wanna share it with you now because I think it fits very well with this proverb. And this question, and the question is simply this. The question is, as it's phrased often is, not whether, but which. Not whether, but which. And this question, the way I learned it, can be asked of almost any situation in life, not whether, but which. So for example, it's not whether you will prioritize anything in life, but which things will you prioritize? Hear what this question is saying. It's not whether you'll prioritize anything, but which things will you prioritize? It's not whether you will invest time, money, or resources in something, but in which things will you invest them? It's not, to draw it into our proverb for tonight, it's not whether you will have influences in your life, but which influences will you have, or which things will influence you? Again, it's not whether you will have influences in your life, but which influences will you have or which things will influence you? Now, maybe you think, wow, that question, it just doesn't seem at all impressive, Sam. I have no idea why that changed your life. But let me try and unfold that for you briefly, uh, but not to try your patience too long. Certainly for me, it's hard now to think back to the time um, before, upon hearing this question, and seeing it applied for the first time, it's hard for me to think about how I used to think and operate. Um, but I am a sort of a, a, a pensive, thoughtful person, so I'm, I'm a kind of person who does think a lot about life. I don't just sort of go um, careening through life giving no thought to anything at all. So I'm the, I'm the kind of person who has a history of thinking, but it's hard for me to think back now to how I used to think about life and approach different issues in life before I heard this question and then the bearing this question put on all manner of things. 
Now, it may not be that I would have denied this way of looking at things. If someone had said to me, hey, look at what this question does, this, it's not whether, but which question, it's not that I maybe would have said, hey, no, I, I reject that out of hand, but it certainly wasn't on my radar. It wasn't the way I generally looked at life. I'm fairly sure instead that I used to be far more shaped by what I'll call the sublime isolationist or neutral mentality. The sublime isolationist or neutral mentality. Isolation being I'm alone, I'm separated from what's going on around me, I'm not affected by what's going on around me. If you give that history, we think of that period in the United States history where the United States pursued a policy of isolationism, that is not getting involved in foreign wars. Being neutral. So in other words, the way I thought of myself conceptually as I, go, as I went through life was in a sense I'm on an island. I'm undisturbed by the currents and, and shifts and influences of the world. In a sense, I'm in a, in a kind of sublime isolation. And in that sense, whether it was a sermon or a book or a university course or a friendship or an opportunity to spend money, buy an airfare, go on a holiday, whatever it might be, my conception was here I am on my little neutral island and I can either venture forth from this island, as it were, partake or not partake, and then return to my neutral status. But in a sense, that neutrality hasn't changed. My life is static. It's, it's standing still. I'm not affected. I can either choose to participate or not. But in a sense, the basic position or standing of my life is one of isolation and neutrality. Maybe you think like that now. I'm not sure. I hope I've got that across well. I'm, I'm, this is not just filler. This is, uh, I'm, I'm being serious here. And so, as I'm sure you'll understand, when this question first came to me, it did. It revolutionized my thinking. I realized for the first time the myth of this isolationist or neutral position. So, what that means is whatever I am doing or not doing is, in fact, always a choice for something and, by definition, a choice against something else. So there is no such thing as this isolated island, this, this neutral place in my life where I'm unaffected by what's going on around me. Whatever I'm doing, I'm doing that, therefore, choosing to do that and choosing not to do something else. So no matter what, I am always prioritizing something in my life. And this, this is the same for all of us. This is the realization that we want to come to um, very quickly, this is true. No matter what, I'm always, we are always prioritizing something in our lives. Now, it might be that I'm prioritizing sleep on my island, just chilling out in the sun day by day, but that means that, yes, I'm, I'm sleeping and therefore I'm choosing not to do other things that I could otherwise be spending my time on prioritizing. It could be work, it could be a certain friendship. Again, there's no neutrality here. And in prioritizing whatever that one thing is, or whatever that number of things, are, what that number of things are, by definition, I'm not prioritizing other things. Certainly, in, in our busy world today, that's often the kind of uh, leadership or, or um, workplace coaching that you're going to get if you scroll through Instagram or go on YouTube. You find all of these sort of online entrepreneurs wanting to tell you like the 50 tips of the world's most successful people, how they go through life. And one of them will be, you, in order to say yes to a few important things, you have to say no to many other things. In, in order, to, that's, that's to say, you can't say yes to all these little things and think, I'm not really prioritizing any of those things. I'm just doing all of these little things. They're, they're sort of little things on the side. And then 
then you'll get to the end of the week and you'll be frustrated and you think, where did my week go? Where did my time go? Well, the reason is that in choosing to do all of those little things that you may not have thought consciously about, you're actually choosing to prioritize all of that and that means you're not prioritizing what's over here, namely these, maybe these big projects, these big things that you, in, in some sense, should be working on or feel is what you are actually called to do. So again, the same goes for investing money, time, resources, and the same goes for influences, which is what we're focusing on this evening. Again, so it's not whether you will have influences in your life. Maybe you like to think of yourself as that splendid isolationist island dweller, thinking, no, I'm strong, I'm standing here, I choose what influences me, and if I don't choose to partake of that or go there or listen to that, then everything is swimming around me, I'm left alone. But that's not, in fact, the case. It's not whether you'll have influences in your life, but which influences will you have? Which things will influence you? So we have to put aside this misguided notion that there's some neutrality or isolation that we can simply withdraw from the equation on whether to have influences in our lives or not. Even if you were sitting on a desert island by yourself somewhere, well then that would be influencing you. That would be what is actually influencing you and you would not be being influenced by that friendship, whatever, that work relationship, all of those things that you couldn't enjoy because you're on your island. That's the point, there's no neutrality. It's important realization to make because we do live in a world where we are constantly being influenced by all manner of people, products, corporations, ideas, ideologies, services, almost all the time. And even with your, maybe you are a Luddite, and you've chosen to delete Facebook in the last few years, doesn't it make you feel like a better person? <laughs> deleted Facebook, deleted Instagram, man, I'm such a good person. Maybe you've chosen that Luddite option to sort of get rid of at least those sources of influence in your life. Maybe you've chosen to invest in a dumb phone, um, what we used to call a Nokia, and you're sitting in the park just in, looking at the birds instead of scrolling through a news website. But again, that's still what is actually gonna be influencing you, and that might be a very good influence to go and sit in the park. It's not that you're not being influenced at all. So again, not whether, but which. And so that brings us to our proverb, chapter 13 and verse 20, which really lays out this not whether, but which reality very clearly. Because again, the concept of Proverbs is, is that of the choice between the two ways. There, there's, there isn't a neutral ground. There's, there's either this way or that way. Um, so there's the choice here between the two ways, the way of wisdom or the way of folly. No neutral ground. There's no way, according to the Proverbs at least, of getting out of making that choice. It's not whether you will choose a way, but which way will you choose? So here it is again, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. The idea is very simple. You'll either walk with the wise and become wise or you'll become a companion of fools and you will therefore suffer harm. The idea here being you'll be harmed. Not necessarily you'll have a terrible car accident or something, but just it will harm your overall moving through life as a person, that's the idea here. So having uh, set the scene with this question, let's take a moment or two to unpack this proverb. And again, it's worth mentioning here, I'm um, grateful to Waltke, Bruce Waltke, for his commentaries on the book of Proverbs. They're very helpful. So you remember that last Sunday we looked at eight verses from the Proverbs that were joined together as a unit, marked by that theme of giving thought to our steps and our ways. 
And so we saw that Waltke put these proverbs together and, and, and he picks out the theme for us so that we can see how the proverbs relate to each other. It's often hard for us to do, especially as we don't speak Hebrew and many of the English translations use different English words to translate similar or the same Hebrew words in the original. So here, Waltke places this proverb, the one that we're looking at tonight, at the beginning of a set of five proverbs, so through verse 25, and he entitles this unit the blessed future of a wise son versus the baneful end of fools. Baneful here just means not promising. And as you, you could glance over, if you've got your Bibles open, you can glance through the Proverbs starting after verse 20 and I'm sure you can see where he gets that idea from, this idea of there's a blessed future for the wise son but a baneful end, that is a bad end for fools. But as much as he applies that title to the whole a unit, it certainly applies to our verse 20. And we remember Proverbs is directed primarily to the king's sons. That's the context of the book that Solomon, king in Jerusalem, gives this as wisdom to his sons. So that's where the idea is coming from of um, this, the blessed future of a wise son. And we have here this proverb, this maxim for life, that if you walk with the wise, you will become wise. There's that blessed future. But if you are a companion of fools, then you will suffer harm. There's that baneful end. But I have to say, even before I read um, his notes, it occurred to me um, that the raising of children by wise parents is perhaps a helpful way to think about this proverb. So just bear with me here. And if you've got your Bibles, you can definitely follow along with me. But I, I don't want to take too much time flipping through the pages. So... Here we are in Ephesians 6, verse 3. In Ephesians 6, verse 3, Paul writes this to the church at Ephesus. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then here, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, you may enjoy long life on the earth. The reason I quote Ephesians is that it's this point that Paul mentions that this is the first commandment, of, and he's quoting the Ten Commandments, so of the Ten Commandments, this is the first one which is linked with a promise. What is that promise? So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. We could say that that is a blessed future. Paul himself is obviously quoting, as I said, from the Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy 5 and verse 16, that's where this commandment is placed within the Ten Commandments in the law of Moses. And if we head back to Deuteronomy, back to that area where the Ten Commandments are given to the people of Israel, we read these words immediately succeeding the Ten Commandments. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, let me read to you the first seven verses of Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me, Moses here speaking, to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Then, of course, these famous words in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. 
These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So what I'm getting at here is that in the law of God, again, we just read from the law of God, um, a blessed future, i.e. that it may go well with you, that is that you may have a successful life, that it may go well with you, that you may have a successful life, that you may enjoy long life on the earth, that is promised to those here who live by the law of God. The sense is not an analytical 100% perfection because the law included provisions for sin and failure. It's simply about saying that this is the promise for those who know God's law, who observe it, who are careful to obey it, and who teach that law to their children. And that backs up what Paul says to the Christians at Ephesus, to the children. Hey, kids, honor your father and mother that you may enter into a blessed future, that, that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. In other words, the idea is that children will be blessed when they honor parents who are wise parents, that is, who teach them God's word, God's law. Um, they won't be necessarily blessed if their parents are fools and don't teach them any wisdom. So yes, it is a biblical principle to honor one's parents, even if those parents aren't wise, but that's not the whole story. The idea here really is children will be blessed when they honor parents who teach them God's word, God's law. They'll be blessed, yes, for honoring those whom God has placed over them in authority, but they'll be blessed for in so honoring wise parents, they receive the wisdom from God's law and in being so shaped, again, think about the relationship here between a child and a parent, because that's gonna be important in a moment. In being so shaped, they become the kind of people who do well in life and who live long on the earth. So when this proverb, back to Proverbs thirteen twenty, when this proverb tells us walk with the wise and become wise, and as Walkie says, this proverb can be summed up as the blessed future of a wise son, then we should see wise and honorable parents raising their children as a paradigm of those of the wise, and we should see children who honor their parents and learn from them and learn wisdom from them as a paradigm of those who walk with the wise and therefore become wise. Because there's an element of maturity, of growth here. Someone starts out unwise, like a child, and by walking with the wise, like a child walks with their parents, they grow, they mature, to one day themselves become wise. And that is, they enter into a blessed future, that is, they enjoy long life on the earth, that is, it goes well with them. And so we wanna see that as a paradigm because in a minute we're gonna be thinking about what does that mean for us? How can we be those who walk with the wise? So the paradigm is, again, not that we become tiny children, but the paradigm is, okay, in an ideal situation, children are being shaped by wise parents who have gone before and children can follow that example and also be learning wisdom and therefore become mature. That's the goal of raising kids. 
Not that they're constantly and eternally dependent on you and unable to live independent lives, but that at some point they are themselves wise and mature and able to step out to leave home and begin their own walk, their own life, their own household. So just briefly on this proverb, walk. Walk is a metaphor for the context, conduct, and consequence of our lifestyle. Walk with the wise. Walk is a metaphor for the context, conduct, and consequence of our lifestyle, i.e. where we are living, how we are living, not where in the sense of Freiburg, um, you know, but where in the sense of in, in, in what way are we living, who is around us, what community are we a part of, that kind of thing. Conduct, how we are living, and consequence, where are we headed? When you walk somewhere, you're headed somewhere. With here, walk with the wise, with refers to accompaniment, companionship, fellowship. And therefore, if we are with someone, in this case the wise, that refers to us just like the child with a wise parent. If we are with the wise, if we are with someone, then that is referring to us being, there are three things here. We are under their instruction, that is, they're teaching us things. We're receiving their encouragement. That is, they are, to encourage means to give someone courage to move forward themselves. That is, not only are we receiving teaching, they are sort of pushing us forward to say, go forward in what you are learning. And thirdly, we are following their example. That is, we're looking at how they live and we are imitating them. And then companion in the second half of the proverb. So that's walk and with. Companion in the second half of the proverb can be also be translated as associate with, because companion is sort of a nice word really, but this has negative connotations in the proverbs. This is hanging out with the wrong crowd, and that's why this person will suffer harm. So here's three more examples of where this word takes place, just so that we hear them. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Don't make friends with a hot-tempered, that's an angry person. Do not associate, there it is, with one easily angered. Or you might learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. So don't hang out with people who are angry and easily angered. Proverbs 28, verse 7. A discerning son heeds instruction, but a companion, there it is, an associate of gluttons, disgraces his father. Proverbs 29, 3. A man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father, but a companion, there it is, an associate of prostitutes squanders his wealth. So this idea here of companion in the second half of the proverb is, is hanging out with the wrong crowd. And finally, of fools. This companion of fools, this idea of hanging out with the wrong crowd entails that the people, the wrong crowd that we're hanging out with, they are also shaping us. Again, it's not whether you'll have any influences in your life, it's what will those influences be? Who will those influences be? So the fools too, they shape us, but for bad, not for good. I like how Walkie here puts it. He says, how does this shaping happen? By exciting our interests, forming our resolutions, and fixing our habits. Exciting our interests, forming our resolutions, and fixing our habits, that is to say, getting us excited about things, um, letting, you know, setting our hearts upon things, making us um, look to certain things for joy and fulfillment and, uh, yep, 
That's the first part. Forming our resolutions, that is, these people are shaping us into making decisions for our lives. And fixing our habits, these people are um, strengthening our, our, the way we live our lives, um, the decisions that we are making, and how we put our lives together. They're, they're, because we're being shaped by them, they're actually fixing our habits, what we, what we do, as opposed to what we don't do. So let's cash this out now. What can we take away from this proverb, 13 verse 20, where we learn, it's not whether, but which influences we'll have in our lives. There is no neutral isolation. We either walk with the wise or we are a companion of fools. So here are some practical things for us to be thinking about. Number one, friendships. Number one, friendships. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you walking with? Who are your companions? Bad company corrupts good character, said someone Greek who was famous, and who Paul then quoted in the New Testament. Bad company corrupts good character. Again, think of what Walkie just said um, about this shaping by the fools. They, the, the, our companions excite our interests. That is, they... They shape us so that what, our heart, what we set our hearts on is, is influenced by them. So what we, what, we, what we end up valuing, what we end up seeing as a source of joy and fulfillment, that is being shaped by those around us. Forming our resolutions, that is helping us or influencing us to make decisions and fixing our habits. Yesterday I was watching the uh, day one of the first Ashes test, Edgebaston. That's an important cricket match for some people. <laughs> Australia versus England. Watching, uh, that was day two, wasn't it? I was watching Australia chase down the English total, which apparently we didn't meet, thanks Stanley. Um, but I was listening to the commentary and they have, on Sky Sports UK, and they have some um, commentators from around the Commonwealth and some from Australia, well, not that we are not part of the Commonwealth, but I was listening to the Australian commentary and I was thinking, wow, they sound really Australian. I don't sound that Australian anymore. That's because I've been living here in Germany for so long and there haven't been that many Australians around and those Australians who are here don't necessarily speak with such a very broad nasal Australian accent. And so what's been happening is, this is, this is what's happening. My habits of speaking English have been fixed by those who have been my companions around me. They've shaped me over the years to stop speaking like a broad Australian nasal accent. Not that I ever really, you know, that, that, that ruins my picture. They've been shaping me away from that accent to a more neutral, let's say, English accent. That's what happens just over time, little by little, without you really noticing. And then you listen to the Ashes commentary and you think, wow, do I really, did I really used to sound like that? in my home country? I hope not. So again, who, is surround, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are, who are your friends? Who are your friendships? Who's having an influence on you in that sense? Looking back at our message here as part of this series on friendship two years ago, we said this for a baseline. When it comes to friendships, our baseline should be a network of strong Christian friendships, ideally mostly in a common church together that just helps with serving together, ministering together, seeing each other at church. It's not a law though. Ideally, mostly in a common church together. So that's what you want your baseline to be, the, the, the strongest friendships to be Christian friends. 
And then on top of that, of course, a set of healthy relationships with non-Christians. We're not trying to say we need to be in a Christian bubble, cut ourselves off from all non-Christians. That's not the point, but we want that strong baseline of Christian friendships to be our primary influence. And then from having that primary influence, that strong network of Christian friends, we can then have healthy relationships with non-Christians where, again, our desire is really for their best. We want to love them as people in their own right. They're not our projects. We want to love them with the love of Christ and we want to will the best for them. We want them to come to know um, Christ, but to do so in a, not in an awkward, weird project-like way, but, in, but just in a genuine, authentic manner. And again, that baseline set, um, this baseline setup avoids the Christian bubble where you simply have no contact with non-Christians at all, but it also avoids this foolish idea of going against what Paul says, bad company corrupts, um, bad character corrupts good company, <coughs> Sorry, bad company corrupts good character. There we go. Um, It uh, avoids that kind of foolishness that you think that by sheer force of will and personality, you can stay completely focused on virtue and on Christ while surrounded by those who lack any affection for him. So be thinking about this. Who are my friends? Who are those people who are exciting my interests, forming my resolutions, and fixing my habits? Then mentors and leaders. Think again about the first half of the proverb, walking with the already wise is how you become wise. A child is shaped by those, hopefully their parents, who are already wise to a certain degree so that they will grow up to be mature, to be wise. Walking with the already wise is how you become wise. It's how you follow the path to life, the path to a blessed future, that it may go well with you. So again, we don't have to absolutize it. We're not saying you need to find a guru who has like literally you know, achieved nirvana, enlightenment. Again, it doesn't have to be that kind of relationship, but you want, you want to look around in your life and think, who do I know who is wiser than me and with whom I can walk, that is, um, <clears throat> spend time with, have them an influence in my life in order that I might grow in wisdom. So again, maybe not here as a friend, which would theoretically or, or more likely be seen as a friendship is a relationship on equal terms, but here as a mentor or leader. And again, this is crucial that we understand this. It's not whether you will have mentors and leaders, people you look up to, people who influence you from a position of being ahead of you. It's not whether, but it's who will fill that role in your life. Remember what Waltke said here about this kind of mentoring or leadership relationship. This is when, this is, with regard to these people, these are the people where you are under their instruction. They're teaching you things. You're learning things from them. You're receiving their encouragement. That is, they're, they're telling you, go ahead on the way that I'm showing you, that I'm teaching you. And you're looking to their example and you're following it. Again, not whether but which, who will or who is filling this role in your life of mentoring you, of leading you, of being ahead of you, of being already wise and therefore shaping you hopefully to be wise? Or are the people in your life in that role in fact fools and they're shaping you to become fools? You're actually becoming a companion of fools and you're setting yourself up to suffer harm. That's the question. Who will or is filling filling that role in your life and are they the kind of person who should be? Do they have that wisdom to impart? And finally, surely the proverb in its time, as it was written 3,000 years ago, 
Surely it refers in the main to real in-person relationships. But in our day, so that is face-to-face relationships, people you would have met with, those are my friends, those are my teachers, those are my parents, that kind of thing. But in our day, um, after the media revolution, um, it means that many, and you can be thinking about this for your own life as well, it's a good thing to think about at any time, many, if not a majority of our influences, that is who we're walking with, ultimately, may not occur through in-person, face-to-face relationships. Many or even a majority of the influences in our life who is ultimately walking with us, according to the picture in the proverb, these may not occur through in-person, face-to-face relationships, but through media, whether that's reading, viewing, or listening. So here also the question to be asking yourself, really, to be, to be giving, not, not I'll ask myself this question and I'll answer it in five milliseconds and keep going, but let me take some time to be thinking about this, maybe even take some time to track what, how my weekly habits are working in this regard. Where is my time going and flowing when it comes to the consumption of media and information? Where's my time going and flowing when it comes to the consumption of information? Who am I reading? Who am I listening to? Who am I viewing? And again, I'm not pleading here that you should only listen to Christian music or only watch Christian content. Not by any means. We want to be, um, we want to be well-rounded uh, readers, um, viewers, and listeners. But at the, other time, at, the, at the same time, we want to be careful about the relationships between how much of any one source we're consuming and how those sources are in fact influencing us. Because that's what, it, that's, what, that's what it means when it comes to influence. That word literally means what flows in, influence. What flows in. What is flowing into our lives? What is flowing into your life, your mind? What is, again, just to take that picture again, what is exciting your interest? What is forming your resolution? What is fixing your habit, habits? From whom are you receiving instruction? From whom are you receiving encouragement? Whose example are you following? And again, just tying it into last week, part of our desire to be those who give thought to their ways and their steps as we go through life, this is something we wanna be thinking about. Who is influencing us? All of that kind of thing. So, let me invite the worship team to come back up. I can tell you a certain example from my life. I've read an online newspaper now for many years, and it was, I think it was a year and a half ago now that I realized that reading this newspaper had actually really affected the way I looked at the world, my outlook on the world, and my outlook on a number of issues. Now, this is not a bad thing in the sense of, I shouldn't, I'm not saying I should never have read this newspaper, and it's terrible, and it's corrupted me, but it was, just a, it was just an understanding that because this newspaper was free, um, and other newspapers weren't, I'd begun going to this newspaper only, and I'd begun to just c- consume this newspaper to the, to the exclusion of other news media, and I realized after a while, hang on, that's really actually started to shape the way I react to certain issues, stories, you know, global issues, war, climate change, all that kind of thing. And I just thought, yeah, I think I need to be thinking about that. Maybe I need to cut down my content of this newspaper, even though it's free, um, because I, I want to be thinking wisely about the influences, what's flowing into my, my life. Again, very, very practical.
So let me finish by anchoring two things in place. When it comes to that which influences us, us, let me remind us of what Proverbs 4 and from verse 23 and verse 23 says. Proverbs 4:23 says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Remember, it's not whether you'll be influenced, but what or who will be influencing you. Whether you be walking with the wise to become wise or whether you're a companion of fools and are looking towards suffering harm. And finally, remember this. Ultimately, when it comes to walking with the wise, who is the holy wisdom? Who is the source of wisdom himself? That is Christ. We want to be walking with Christ. We want Christ to be the greatest influence in our life. We remember that Paul wrote of Christ in Colossians 2 and verse 3, that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so as Thomas Akempis says, to begin his work on the imitation of Christ, that is of conforming our lives to Christ's example, to all those who would imitate Christ, follow Christ, walk with Christ, he says this, let the life of Jesus Christ therefore be our first concern. And I encourage you also in that. Let me say amen. Let me invite us to stand. Let us sing.